0: Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from August 15th by our guest speaker, Butch Strickland. Good morning. Um, My name is Durward Harold Strickland Jr. Now you know why I go by Butch. Now, I say that for a reason, because we're going to talk about that a little bit, not about me being Butch, but about having a nickname uh, this this morning in our our Bible study time. Um, That's not the only nickname I've had through the years. Uh, The immediate one, and you wouldn't know it now, of course, but uh, in my earlier days, I had red hair. And uh, guess what I was called about half the time I was growing up? Hey Red, that's exactly right. Hey Red, and it didn't matter where we were if anybody wanted to get my attention. That's all they had to do is just say Hey Red. You know, I, I was really offended by that because you know they wouldn't say Hey Four Eyes or Hey Fat Soul, but they'd say Hey Red. You know. So, but anyway, that's not the only one I've had. I've had some more. And uh, uh, when I was in high school, I played football, and our team was very small. The individual players were very small. I played tackle, okay, on the on the front line. From tackle to tackle, our team averaged 150 pounds. I weighed 197 pounds. So what did that tell about the rest of the guys? They were really small. That's right, exactly. Well, um, because we were so small, our coach emphasized quickness and speed, and getting lower than the other guys and pushing them out of the way, et cetera. He, that was our his whole theme as we were playing football. And, uh, suddenly, uh, my line coach, uh, started calling me do rock. Do y'all know what a do rock is? It's a red pig. And so I asked him one time, I said, coach, how come you call me do rock all the time? He said, well, what else, do you know, is red and do- roots around in the dirt all the time. <laughs> Another nickname. Um, Actually, I thought I was through with nicknames until we went to Venezuela. And and it really wasn't a nickname, but it was one I'd never used before. Uh, The day that we got there uh, in the city of Maracaibo as missionaries, we were met by some leadership in our association. And and, uh, Domingo Chacin asked me what my name was. And I said, my name is Butch Strickland. He said, do you know how we would pronounce that? He asked me how to spell it. And I told him, he said, you know how we would pronounce that with our accent? And I said, well, when we were in language school, they called me Butchie. Buche, He said, that's exactly right. You know what a buche is in Spanish? I said, no, that's a new word for me. He said, that's a chicken gullet. So so you don't want to be called chicken gullet for the rest of your life, do you? I said, no, 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 I prefer not to. He said, well, do you have any other names? And I said, well, I have another name, but North Americans can't even pronounce it. He said, well, what is it? And I said, it's Durbard. He said, how do you spell that? D-U-R-W-A-R-D. He made a funny look and goes, <laughs> said, that won't work either, will it? So you have any other names? And I said, well, I have another name, but I've never used it in my life other than just to sign it every once in a while. And he said, well, what is it? And I said, Harold. He said, okay, well, while you're in Venezuela, we're going to call you Harold because we can pronounce that one. <laughs> you know, when, when we look at the scriptures, there's a couple of folks, or more than actually a couple, there's some folks that have nicknames. Did you know that? Matter of fact, you have given, or we have given, one of them a nickname what do we call thomas yeah doubting thomas uh, did you know that the that, that barnabas's name is the nickname that was not his real name barnabas was not his his real name what was his real name you remember joseph and why did he get the name nickname why did he get the nickname barnabas do you know it means son of consolation son of consolation, and he was that. If you read about the, about Barnabas and uh, in, in the book of Acts, you'll find out that he really was that kind of a person. He, he was a person who, who gave consolation, he, who gave comfort. Um, those are not the only two. You could read some more about it, but I want us to look not only at the way that some people in the Scriptures are known by their nicknames, I also want us to look at some folks who were known... By their character. Okay? Uh, what do you guys remember about David? What's the first thing we think of when we think of David? A man after God's own heart. That's right. Says a lot about David, doesn't it? Do you know how David lived? How could we observe David's regular uh, going, his goings and comings and come to the conclusion, yeah, there's a man. He's, he's a man after God's own heart. What about, uh, what about Job? What does it say about Job? Remember? It says he was blameless and upright. Well, if we were to observe Job and his comings and goings every day, would we come to the conclusion that, yes, this guy, he really is blameless and upright? How about, um, how about Noah? Remember what the Bible says about Noah. Says he was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Again, if we were a fly on the wall observing the way that Noah lived his life, would we come to the conclusion that Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation? Today we're going to talk about one of the kings of Judah. His name is Hezekiah. The passage that we're going to look at is found in, in 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 1. And we're going to see that Hezekiah was described in these verses, and then we're going to be the fly on the wall, and we're going to observe the actions of Hezekiah and see if we do not come to the same conclusion that, yes, uh, this guy really is as he is described. Second uh, Kings, chapter 18, beginning with verse 1. In the third year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abbey, the daughter of Zechariah. And this is where he is described in verse 3 And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that David his father had done. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Then it goes on to say, He removed the high places and broke the pillars and cut down the Asherah. And He broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made, for until those days, the people of Israel had made offerings to it. It was called uh, Nehushtan. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like Him among all the kings of Judah before Him, nor among those who were before Him, after Him nor before Him. For He held fast to the Lord, He did not depart from following him, but kept the commandments of the Lord, commanded Moses. So Hezekiah is described as a man who did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. So we're going to observe him just in the verses that we just got through reading to see if we could come to the same conclusion that, yes, Hezekiah was a man who who did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And the first thing we see there is found in verse 4. It says he removed the high places and broke the pillars and cut down the Asherah and he broke down, broke to pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. He destroyed every idol that he could find in in, in Judah. Uh, he destroyed every idol that he could find in Judah. Y'all know what the Asherah were, don't you? The groves that were put up as places of worship of Astarte, of a, 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 a goddess. Uh, we know about the the bronze serpent that that. Uh, Aaron had made the Bible say, the, the this verses passage says anyway. Uh, he broke it into pieces. He was going. To, he destroyed everything that would give any kind of distraction to the worship and and love of God. Um. He tore down and destroyed idols. Hmm. Um. I was in a Bible study one evening one Friday evening, and, uh, we were going to have a time of prayer, and one of the guys that always meets with us always mentions how important it is to pray for the leaders of our country, and I misdirected, or or redirected what he said just a little bit, because I have come to the conclusion that the leaders of our country are not the president and and our congressman, uh, the leaders of our country, are is the media, in my opinion. This is just my opinion, not a political statement, just my opinion, okay? Because they're the one who determines our values. They're the ones that determine how what we ought to think about about politics. They're the ones who tell us what, that we're, not, we're supposed to believe this politician and not that one. They're the ones who are directing our thoughts most of the time. They're the ones who say, now, your real idols ought to be people like, and they'll name every, every uh, uh movie star or every, every sports figure, uh, they're the ones that are telling us, these are the people who are important, these are the things that you really ought to be worshiping, these are the things that really ought to be important to you, These are etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So what we need to do is pray for our leaders, of course. We want to pray for our president and our, and our, and our politicians, but we also need to pray that God would do something in our media to get our, our, redirect our thoughts uh, towards things other than the things of, of the world. Matter of fact, I I, it just drives me nuts. (laughs) But every advertisement that I see on television nowadays is you have to have that thing because why? You deserve it. That's what they say. You got to have these things because you deserve it. That's what all these advertisements. You hadn't noticed that, but that's where we are nowadays. The media is telling us what we deserve, what we ought to have, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So yes, we ought to pray for our leaders, but we have to pray for our media because it seems to me that uh, they have more power even than our politicians to, to direct our country. We have to destroy those kinds of idols, you guys. I told you I was going to talk about that in our, my sermon this morning in our Sunday school class. They were talking about that and said, well, don't preach my sermon for me yet. It's my... <laughs> but the fact is, uh, we have many, many idols that we need to destroy in our own lives, in the lives of our country, as we pray for our country, and as we pray for God to to, to, to revive our, our country. Uh, Hezekiah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and it was, it was obvious. Because this is what he did. He destroyed the idols that were in Judah. Okay? Um, do you want to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord? Do you want to be like Hezekiah? as a hero of our faith? Well, the way we can start is by tearing down our idols, getting rid of our idols. Verse 5, The second thing we can observe of him is he trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. So there was none like him among the kings of Judah after him, nor among those who were before him. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. Now what does that mean for a guy like, like Hezekiah, who was king of Judah? Are there some other passages that might indicate that uh, maybe we, as maybe kings of Judah, ought to be a little more interested in trusting the Lord? Are there verses like something, some, I've heard of this somewhere before? Not by might nor by power, but by what? My, my spirit, saith the Lord. It's not by chariots and horses, it's by what? It's by the power of God. Uh, we trust in a lot of things to, uh, to give us comfort, uh, to give us protection, to give us a lot of things. We trust in things that, that, uh, that aren't going to supply those things. But he trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, let me give you an illustration of that, okay? My wife uh, was serving as a translator for a group of medical people who had come down from the United States to Venezuela in a medical project, and uh, she was translating for a a dentist. And uh, one of the North American nurses there uh, got stabbed by a used needle. And uh, the American doctors like to flip out. Uh, They, what do we do? Where can we go to get her tested? They had all these questions and and finally, they ask a, 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 a Venezuelan doctor, "Well, where can we get her tested?" And she says, "I don't know of a place, and if it, even if I did, it would take days. Y'all would be gone from, the st- from, from Venezuela before they got the results back." And they said, "Well, what do y'all do when something like this happens?" And uh, the lady says, "We pray. We pray." And uh, the medical doctors from the States were ashamed and abased. They bowed their heads and they said, God, forgive us. We're sorry that we didn't trust you, that we put more confidence in tests and medical procedures and medicine and all that kind of stuff than we did in you. Again, that's not a political statement, you guys. <laughs> I'm not talking, telling you to get or not to get an injection, okay? But the fact is, we can trust God in every single area of our life. And this was true of Hezekiah. when he says, he trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. Um, There's some things probably going on in your life right now that you need to say, God, I, I trust you in this. Uh, there's some things going on in, in, uh, in your family that you can say to God, God, I don't know the solution to this, but I'm just going to trust in you. There's some things going on maybe that are bigger and stronger than you are, and, and, and you're not strong enough to, to deal with them. But it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Can you trust him in that situation? As we observe Hezekiah, and we see him trusting in the Lord, the God of Israel, can we also come to the conclusion that, yep, yeah, that guy, he, he does what is right in the eyes of the Lord. There's one more characteristic of Hezekiah that I want us to look at. Too, as we observe him, we see that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. It's found in verse 6. For he, felled, he held fast to the Lord he did not depart from following him, but kept the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses. He held fast to the Lord and did not depart from following him, but kept his commandments. There's a video uh, called Matthew. It is uh, the... NIV, New International Version, spoken word for word, either by the actors in the life of Jesus, or in by a narrator who just so happens to be in the in the video, the uh, Matthew dictating to his scribe the gospel that he's that he's writing. It's a great great film, but there's one part of that film that just um, sticks out to me more than the rest. Uh, It was when a, a leper came to Jesus, wanting to be cleansed. And Jesus cleansed the leper. And as the leper was walking away from Jesus, he began to notice that his leprosy was gone. And as soon as he noticed that, he turned around and ran back to Jesus and tackled him, and they rolled around in the dirt. <laughs> Sometimes we don't have the idea, we don't have that picture in our minds about that side of the character of Jesus, do we? But I got a feeling that, I, I, I like to think anyway, that yeah, he'd do that. He'd, he'd do that. Um... I, I I don't know how to say what I'm about to say other than just to blurt it out and let you all take it as you want, okay? But uh, I have been in all of my life so involved in ministry that sometimes I forgot why I was doing it. Uh, and it wasn't until a professor asked me this question that changed that for me. We went into class, and we were studying. The question of the day was, is all theology Christology? And our professor got us started on the discussion by asking us this question. He said, is there more to the character of God the Father, than that which was revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. And you can imagine how the conversation went with a bunch of preachers. Uh, One of them says, well, we know that Jesus was limited because he was in the flesh. Uh, He couldn't be omnipresent, for instance. And another guy misquoted a passage I have to admit, (laughs) but he said, yeah, but you know, Jesus was present with someone and actually said these words, even the son of man, which is in heaven, even the son of man, which is in heaven. So could it be that Jesus was revealing himself as present in heaven and present with that man he was talking to? Another guy said, well, again, because Jesus was in the flesh, we know that he suffered hunger and thirst. And another guy says, yeah, but every time his hunger and thirst was expressed, There was some, but there there was that hunger and thirst was not satisfied by bread and water, but by doing the will of his Father. Eventually, we came to three passages of Scripture that have been my go to passages ever since. One of them, of course, is found in John chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, where it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God, without Him, in Him. Oh, well, it goes on to say that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word who was God became flesh and dwelt among us. And then in Hebrews chapter 1, God in sundry times and divers matters spoke to our, our, our fathers through the prophets, has in these latter days spoken unto us through, through His Son, who is the express image of the person of God, everything that God was, Jesus was. And then that one little verse in the book of Colossians that's probably the most powerful of all. It says, in Christ, in him, dwelt all of the fullness of the Godhead bodily. When I left class that day, I, uh, that hung very heavy on my heart. Because I understand now that to know God better, and that was my, that was my go-to verse. I was, that's my life verse. When, when Paul said to the Philippians, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count it but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but having that righteousness which comes by faith, that I may know him, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. If I want to know him, the way I'm going to know him is through what I know about Jesus. And So I had a goal in my life from that point till today. I hadn't fulfilled it every time, every, every year, or every day, or every week. But my goal is to read a gospel a week for the rest of my life with the express purpose of getting to know Jesus better. And I like to think of him... I was rolling in the dirt with a cleansed leper. Now you can take that picture if you want. I hope you hope God leads you to have a different picture of your of your understanding who God is. But let me tell you this one thing about all of that. I want to hold fast to the Lord. I want to hold fast to the Lord. Hezekiah did, and people knew him. The Bible describes him as the king who did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. One of the ways that he did that, he he tells us about it right here, that he held fast to the Lord and did not not depart from following him, but kept the commandments of the Lord that the Lord commanded Moses. So how can I be that one who holds fast to the Lord? By keeping his commandments whatever those commandments might be, whether they're the ten or the ones that we can read all through the Scriptures. Um, a few years ago, I was <clears throat> I was afraid of retiring because, like I said, it had been anything I've ever done. That's been it since I was, since I was old enough to remember just about, I guess. Um, I was afraid to retire and didn't know what I was going to do. And then all of a sudden, Randy asked me to accompany him to China. Um, Randy, you'll never know what that means to me. because I found out that in my retirement, I could be grandpa to 415 young people. By the way, last count, 11 of them are now Christians. Uh, And I hope it doesn't end there. There's a lot of them right on the verge. That's my new nickname. You can call me, friend. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.